Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a federal criminal defendant to explain Yay! logical fallacies. And I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the accident fallacy, also known as a dicto simpliciter ad dictum secundum quid. Yeah, one of them Latin ones. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, You might say something... Simply, simply in the first place, but that will lead you to something secondary. What kind of? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> literally translated. It's from yeah. what is said simply to what is said second. Oh, there you go. And what at the end? Oh, yeah, because it's in Yoda speak. Yeah, it? and yeah. this is in fact one of the first thirteen logical fallacies ever to have been named. This oh, is wow. this is in Aristotle's By Aristotle himself on sophistical refutations. Yeah, so this is one of them. How one have of them we not got ones. around to it till now? Well, there's a few in there that we haven't got around to, and partly wow. because a lot of them don't come up a lot in modern debate oh, and argumentation. Okay. Right. But this one is one that, that we see from time to time. Accident is being used in a completely different sense to how we normally use accident. Today. Okay. Yeah. It, it is uh, when someone applies a general rule to a specific situation that is actually an exception to that rule. Right. And they do that as part of their argumentation. Yes. So the accident yes. comes from, in this case, accident is being used to mean a feature of a situation. Yes. So it's something that you can't rely on to define the rule. You are relying on to define the rule. Yeah. Overgeneralization or, or trying to apply a rule too generally, basically. Yeah. Ignoring all the exceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Another name for it is destroying the exception. Oh, yeah. There so, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Our first yes. example comes yep. from uh, just very, very recently. Ah. When Trump is talking about the recent federal indictment. So, so unlike him. me, you're not shoehorning. <laughs> I'm not shoehorning. This events. just happened to be exactly <laughs> what we were looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, I guess it just shows you that, however, when Aristotle was doing these 2,000 years ago. 2,300 years ago, yeah. He spotted it then. Yeah. And actually, he was writing about the current political issues as much as anything else. Yeah. In, you know, in current civic parlance, these things happen in the same way that Machiavelli was doing it some 1,400 years later. And here's Trump doing it. Just the other day. You're watching Joe Biden try to jail his leading political opponent. Think of it. This is like third world country stuff. Trying to put his opponent, who's leading him by a lot, wants to put him in jail. So describing a leader wanting to jail their political opponent as yep. third world country stuff. And right. other, um, other people on the right have since the indictments came out, called it a banana republic and yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Describing yeah. it in that sense is generally true in right. those kinds of so, anti-democratic yes. yep. places. That kind of behaviour. That happens. Is, yep. So 
if you just took kind of all the times in history where a leader has tried to put their opponent in jail, yep. chances are a lot of the times it would have been a, an unfair yeah. thing where they are yeah. just doing things they're not supposed to do. Yeah. The exception in this case is all the crimes <laughs> yeah. that Trump committed. And that Biden isn't responsible yeah, no, for absolutely. Yeah. pursuing that. Yeah. Biden did not indict Trump. No. Jack Smith didn't even indict Trump. It was a federal grand jury in Miami yeah. of citizens who listened citizens. to the evidence and agreed yeah. that actually there were several rules yeah. that he had broken that are very specific and general <laughs> rules that he shouldn't have broken. Yes. <laughs> so, and what they did was take exception uh-huh. to that. Yeah. 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 Yes. And point out that he shouldn't have done that. So we're going to apply the generality of the rules. <laughs> yeah. And because they're the things, those rules are written to stop people doing those things. You're one of the people doing those things. Therefore, you're subject to those rules. Yeah. Which is not an accident fallacy. Whereas, whereas Trump is saying, what's happening here is third world stuff. It's a political opponent trying to jail their political opponent. Wow, that takes some <laughs> reach, doesn't it? Uh-huh. To tip of the PR guy that came up with that, <laughs> you know. Well, he, I mean, it's, it's, it's apparently wow. got a lot of work on the right because a lot of people have said similar things to this, basically. That yeah. this is, it's completely unacceptable for a president to try and, you know, jail his his main political opponent. And that's true. And that's yeah. a j- that's true. What, what, but the specifics in this case is yeah. he's not doing that. He's not that. doing that. But so, again, so as we often say, even if it was true, yeah, it, this would still be uh, not a logical conclusion because this yeah. is a different case. This is a specific case which doesn't fall under the general rule because right. yeah. he yeah. is not being indicted to stop him from winning an election. He's being indicted yes. because of all the crimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether he was president or not, or yeah. whether he's a presidential candidate or not, he he done some crimes, and they he are did do them. Take, he did. They, he did. He not only did do, do them, but he did them often while someone was recording him doing them. <laughs> <laughs> and he was quite yeah. happy to say out loud oh, that yeah. he was doing it in the middle of doing it. Yeah. So our second example is a tweet from September 17th, 2020, in which he was talking about ballots being sent out to registered voters. And he said, the big unsolicited ballot states should give it up now before it's too late and ask people to go to the polling booths and, like always before, vote. Otherwise, mayhem. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This was during a period where he was continually talking about how the Democrats sending out 80 million ballots to people who hadn't asked for them, unsolicited, was just going to guarantee fraud and and all of that kind of stuff. Obviously, that wasn't what was actually happening. No, because it's 2020, the significance of the date is 2020. Yeah, of course. But even in 2020, they weren't sending out 80 million ballots. Mm -hmm. There were millions of ballots sent out Two registered voters in places like California, they sent out about 20 million um, and other states as well. About the same number of ballot applications were sent out in other states Mm -hmm. so that people could easily apply for absentee ballots. So it was 
it was never anywhere near 80 million. It was somewhere, it's like half that was ballots being sent out to registered voters, not illegal immigrants or yeah. or non-registered voters or dead people or dogs yeah. or people other things. He literally claimed all of those things. Yeah. So there's about 40 million of those and about 40 million ballot applications that were sent out. Yeah. But anyway, the fact that like always before, people went to polling booths and voted, yeah. using that as a general rule and saying, well, that's what we should do and that's the rule and we should stick to it, obviously ignores the exception of 2020 where there yeah. was a pandemic so that is a specific and different case and things it's okay for that then to be treated differently and for things to be done differently um, mm. for that reason you can't apply the same general rule as you've applied and even that rule didn't require people to go to the polling booths there were still absentee yeah. ballots and mail-in voting yeah all yeah. of the previous years yeah in many states not in all states so the rule of this is how it's always been done, essentially, trying to apply that to a, a case which is a clear exception to that is fallacious. And then using that as the evidence for your argument about unsolicited and mayhem. Yeah. So how do you go about countering it? You just have to point out the exceptions. Yeah, yeah. Give Surely. valid reasons why this yeah. situation is different to other situations. Yeah, just stick your hand up and go, OK, so... The same government, your government, because you were in power. I mean, you know, nominally at least. <laughs> yeah, who no, was in office, if not in power, didn't say don't have lockdowns, complained when there were there, but had sanctioned states putting in lockdowns for health reasons to contain the COVID, though he didn't give a fuck. And now the self-same government is saying oh yeah well what you did there was skew the vote because it's actually not about the government it's about him yeah. i keep forgetting that <laughs> it's not about the general rule it's about him he's yeah. the exception yeah yeah so our third example <sighs> comes from tiny faced huge headed charlie kirk <laughs> and uh he big slab of flesh <laughs> with a sharpie face drawn on the middle yeah. Uh, he tweeted on the 8th of May and then soon after that deleted this tweet. So this is a kind of archived version. Um, right. He tweeted, according to life expectancy data, the average American man has a 42% chance of making it to age 85. Joe Biden would be 86 at the end of a second term in office. That means Kamala Harris would have a 58% chance of becoming president. That's brilliant. Charlie Kirk's mathematical genius, it's, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's done subtraction there. I mean, that's not how this works. No, <laughs> no, at all. And how it's a kind of twisted thing. What? He, what? So, so what? the theory, his his weird uh, maths yeah. theory is yeah. that the average American man, and therefore Joe Biden specifically, yes, has a forty two percent chance of making it to age eighty six. Yeah. So if there's a only a 42% chance he's going to make it to the end of his second term. Yeah. That means there's a 58% chance, obviously, that Kamala yeah. Harris, as vice president, would become president. Right. What he's yeah. ignoring <laughs> is the fact that life expectancy data, for one thing, is not applicable to individuals. It's, it's applicable to the whole population. But also, yeah. that's at birth. So... Right. The question you should be asking is, what are the chances of a person who is currently 82 to mm. make it to 86, which is way higher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's 
a lot of not, the life expectancy American thing, health services, yeah, yeah, yeah. and but, traffic. But a lot of the life expectancy thing is that there's a certain amount of infant mortality and there's right. a spike in especially men's adolescence and yep. early 20s uh-huh. and, yep. and that kind of stuff that means that their chances of reaching the their 80s are lower than someone who has already gone through all of that process and made it through yeah and yeah are still going <laughs> yeah and therefore has a better chance i'm thinking instantly of kurt cobain and keith richards there's a whole 27 club of, exactly of yeah musicians particularly yeah yeah but this is not how that works no <laughs> Oh, no, no. He's, he's done the sums right because he's one of those difficult ones. <laughs> 42 from 100 uh-huh. leaves 58. That bit's correct. Yeah, but he's applying general actuarial information <laughs> that is population-based to yeah, a, to to a to specific individual Yeah, and expecting it to be accurate. And also what's interesting is that his handle, at Charlie Coke 11 uh-huh. It must have been really irksome that he kind of said, no, no, it's gone. It's gone. Oh, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Coke, two. No, yeah. no, it's gone two. Oh, it's gone all the way up to 11. There are 10 other Charlie Kirks well, the, who, the, who the, grasp maths a lot. <laughs> the company lot who makes my daughter's school uniform is called Charles Kirk. Fantastic. Um, so every time I iron a school yeah, uniform, school shirt, it, it's yeah. got Charles Kirk label on it. And it makes me think of him and it's really annoying. <laughs> I think you should <laughs> unpick upsetting. that and wear it as a as a kind of uh, you know like a like one of the little crocodiles or the horse you know that kind of yeah, yeah just put that on Charles <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent and now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner okay so I've I've sometimes not often not generally there's a, there's an exception. Um, been accused of shoehorning in but like jim says that it's it's a contemporary fallacy i'm going to somewhat hijack this bit to do my own it's not a logical fallacy section <laughs> with big breaking news because boris johnson resigned his seat as an mp with immediate effect triggering a by-election rather than face a possible 10-day suspension of parliament as a result of the Privilege Committee's findings, that Privilege Committee, you remember, looking into whether he misled Parliament, thus breaking ministerial code, holding Parliament in contempt, when he said he didn't know about the parties at Number 10 during lockdown and all that stuff. So a little bit of background, and then we'll get to where I think the fallacy is committed. Two days ago, the committee, two days ago, as we were recording, the committee sent him the findings, and we don't know what it is, but it's bad, bad stuff. <laughs> so they sent him the, the findings. We didn't know what he is. They said, we will give you it, and you've got two weeks to respond, and then we will publish our findings and our um, recommendations as to what we should do as a result of those findings. They sent him those findings. We don't know what they are. Haven't been published. But it appears that rather than face a Commons vote on Privilege Committee recommendations of suspension, possibly leading to a recall petition in his constituency and potential by-election, he tendered his resignation on Friday. So we kind of get a clue that we you know, the results aren't in his favour. His resignation, of course, will trigger a same by-election, but he's jumped before he's been pushed and the the long resignation letter was like over a thousand words to Rishi Sunak began with 
they are determined to use the proceedings against me to drive me out of Parliament. Going on to add, their purpose from the beginning has been to find me guilty regardless of the facts. This is the very definition of a kangaroo court, which is interesting that he said that because when asked in March about this by Charles Walker, Tory MP for Broxwan at the Select Committee, he didn't want to be associated with them or the language used. Your supporters, I'm not saying you, I'm saying your supporters seem to want it both ways. They're hoping that the evidence you've given in 52 pages will exonerate you. But just in case that doesn't happen, there has been a concerted effort to, to delegitimise the committee, to call us a kangaroo court. As a parliamentarian, do you regret that colleagues of ours, who are also parliamentarians, have called the Privileges Committee a kangaroo court? Uh, I think that the... the uh, I, I, don't, I, I deprecate the term that you've just used. I don't want to uh, repeat it. But I think the people will judge for themselves on the basis of the evidence that you have produced uh, on the fairness of this committee. I have every confidence that you will uh, show that you can be fair. The vice chair, I think, says, is that a yes or a no? <laughs> so I think this is where the accident fallacy comes in. So Boris is basically angry because they've literally taken exception to his behaviour. He's generalising that any court that would find him guilty is corrupt and biased. The implication also that the committee convened is made up of people who would obviously be against him. And he's determined to make this the narrative and ignore all the exceptions. And his resignation letter also includes, I'm not alone in thinking that there is a witch hunt underway to take revenge for Brexit at what? and ultimately reverse the 2016 referendum result. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen if he were found to have done things he shouldn't do by the Privileges yeah. Committee. Exactly. Instantly, we're back in Europe. Yeah, <laughs> thank God for that. Now he's out of the way. It's a bit like that big plug of hair in the shower. He's going, finally, we've got rid of that, and we can empty all this fetid filth away. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. So, And the, the exception that he's ignoring is, as Alberto Costa, the Tory MP for South Leicestershire, said... Will you accept that this committee can be fair and wrong rather than being unfair and a witch hunt? Um, I, I, I certainly think that, let me put it this way, Mr Costa, I think if this committee were to find me uh, in contempt of Parliament, uh, having, which would be uh, having come and done something so utterly insane uh, and contrary to uh, my, my beliefs and, uh, and my principles is to come here, to come to Parliament and wittingly uh, lie, I think that would be not only unfair, I think it would be wrong. But indeed, but you wouldn't categorise it as a witch hunt or a kangaroo court. That's the well, point I'm I mean, asking. I think you... I will wait to see how you proceed with the evidence uh, okay. that you have. But I, 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 do not, I do not wish to... Uh, I, I, will study, I will study your conclusions uh, from the evidence. I deprecate the terms that you have used. I don't want to see uh, good, good colleagues feeling that they're under pressure... Either way, I believe that uh, if you study this evidence impartially, uh, you will come to the conclusion that, uh, that, I've, that I've given. The exception he's ignoring is that the Privileged Committee can be fair and wrong, or fair and turn out to be wrong, rather than being unfair. And which they're, they're coming after him means they're kangaroos and ignoring the exceptions that maybe, just maybe they aren't, <laughs> because the, the, the Privileged Committee hasn't generally 
got the reputation for being a kangaroo court and deliberately finding people guilty because they want to. It's like, you know, that political opponents jailing their political opponents. The Privileges Committee doesn't find ministers guilty of having misled Parliament just to get rid of them. It's very few people have actually been admonished for misleading Parliament. And you could do that if you're deliberately attempting to mislead the House. And in March 2019, Dominic Cummings was found to be in contempt of Parliament for not appearing for a select committee the previous September. And actually in December 2018, the entire government was found in contempt of Parliament for failing to disclose its legal advice over Brexit. In, and in 2018, so all of these are under Boris, you'll notice. Um, <laughs> Amber Rudd resigned as Home Secretary after inadvertently misleading a select committee and thus breaking the ministerial code. In November 2020, an inquiry into accusations of bullying against Home Secretary found that she had broken the ministerial code. She apologised but didn't offer a resignation and Boris didn't do anything because he so alone, hang on a minute. Uh, of all the times that Pretty Patel has broken the ministerial code, this was yeah. the one she didn't lose her job for and then get rehired six days later. Yes, this is the one prior to that. She right. then did, when Liz Truss got in, that's when she said, fuck that, I'm not going to go under Liz <laughs> Truss. She admitted to one of the things yeah. that she had done as, as a, uh, yeah, in order to resign. So the reason the... Privilege Committee investigated Boris is because he's the Prime Minister and should be setting the example. The example being that generally MPs shouldn't lie to Parliament. And I think I Boris... Mean, I can... feel like that's quite a good rule. Yeah, yeah. I don't think and... there's that many exceptions to that, that that you can argue. Yeah, exactly, that, that it is possible to lie. No, in fact, what Boris has been doing is saying that he didn't lie. And obviously, he fucking did, because he got... <laughs> Fined by the police for it. <laughs> so he lied to the law outside of Parliament, but it's easier to be thrown out of Parliament for calling someone a liar than it is to be thrown out of Parliament for telling a lie. All you've got to do is go back and correct the record. And and you've got to be proved to have willfully done it, which when we talk about the indictment, yeah. that's that whole thing about, you know, did he willfully do it? So it's especially easy when you change the ministerial code so that where you just have to apologise exactly. instead of resigning when you break the code. <laughs> yeah. And you go, why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the rules about not telling lies became part of the rules. Uh, if you did that, you broke the ministerial code about 1963. Prior to that, there was this kind of gentleman's agreement from like 1600 that you would you would just not tell lies. And if you did, people would ask you to correct that and the people would resign. It, and it's kind of only under Boris that, you know, the entirety of the government did stuff that they said they were going to do then didn't do. And the, and the rest of Parliament just went, well, that's not good. You're all contemptible which is a very Cromwellian kind of... It's all under Boris. So his premiership is the exception to the rule. And I think what he's trying to maintain is, well, like we talked about last episode, I am the prime minister, therefore what I'm doing is prime ministerial. This is the general rule. He's He is taking exception to the fact that the Privilege Committee is upholding the generality of the rule that you shouldn't tell lies. And it's appalled 
that they're finding him guilty. I think he also tries to continues to twist the logic in a kind of Moebius strip kind of way. I think he's trying to make it the general rule, which is landing him in trouble, that they are kangaroos and this is a witch hunt and thus will always go, are always in that strangulated football commentators. They were always going to be finding him guilty of which kind of continuous present past participles. <laughs> of willfully misleading Parliament, and that they are guilty of the accident fallacy in overlooking the exception of not finding him guilty of having breached the rules. And the the big one is, I think, when he says, I believe if you study the evidence impartially, you will come to the conclusion that I have given. It's, it's generally true that impartiality is what one's aspiration for a privileged committee would be, He's forgetting the exception that he's not impartial. He's the one under investigation. Of course he's going to fucking say, <laughs> you can't find me. You will reach the same conclusions that I have if you are impartial. Like what I am. Like, yeah. what, I, like what I am. He's like, yeah, you need to be impartial like me, who will definitely find me <laughs> having not in breach of the ministerial code. And if you're not doing that, then you're not impartial. You found me guilty before we've even started, and this is a witch hunt. And in responding to his statement, a privileged committee spokesman said, the committee has followed the procedures and the mandate of the House, the Parliament at all time, and will continue to do so. Mr Johnson has departed from the processes of the House and has impugned the integrity of the House by his statement. And the committee will meet on Monday to conclude the inquiry and publish its report promptly. The same privileged committee is now looking into their, that's what he's saying, the same committee is now looking into whether this denigration of the public office of the privileged committee is in itself thus a breach of the ministerial code warranting further sanctions. So this gets reported in the right-wing press, a bit like the right-wing for Trump, the right-wing press. They're not kind of saying Boris is is complaining about the fact that the Privileges Committee are find, have found him um, in breach of. They're saying Boris launches salvo. Or It's just interesting watching the headlines, how the right wing appear to be not entirely committed to the idea that he might have breached this stuff, and they're starting to denigrate the public offices. The Daily Telegraph reports that a source in the Conservative Party says this will be World War Three in the Conservative Party. They will haul them in, anyone who has brought the Privileges Committee into disrepute. This is like 1984. We need to get a grip. This committee is run by a Labour MP. And I think he's echoing Boris's thought that generally a Labour thing would run contrary to Tory things on the basis that they're in opposition. But... The particular case, the exception to that rule, is not being taken into account, is that the committee is made up of seven members, only two of whom are Labour (laughs) MPs. So there's Harriet Harman, who's the chair, she's Labour, Andy Carter, who's Conservative, Alberto Costa, who we've heard from, Conservative, Alan Dorans, Scottish National Party, Charles Walker, we heard from, Conservative, Yvonne Favag, Labour, Bernard Jenkins, Conservative. And... Labour's Harriet Harman doesn't 
get to influence the way the Privileged Committee will discuss, investigate, conclude, or vote on the conclusions. And she only has a casting vote in the case of a 3-3 split. They're in opposition, but it doesn't mean that they disagree on everything. He's calling upon this, this general assumption and ignoring the fact that only two people on a committee of seven are Labour. One of them doesn't get to vote. Oh, I just don't know where to begin. The truth doesn't wait. Just go for fuck's sake, but it keeps them hanging on. The liar's champion. He just won't go away before he's made his play. Accidents will happen. Use fallacies don't run. You're such a shitty victim and you're not the only one. Accidents will happen. Use fallacies don't run. I don't want to hear it because I know what you've done. There's so many fish in the sea that only rise up on the promise of an OBE. But they keep you hanging on. They say you're so wrong. Your mind is made up, but your mouth is undone. Accidents will happen. Use fallacies and run. You used to be a victim, now you're not the only one. Accidents will happen. Use fallacies and run. I don't want to hear it, cause I know what you've done. Everest Costello and the attractions there with accidents will happen. Of course. Of course. So in The Fallacy in the World, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from Thelma and Louise. Yay! Which I recently saw a a 4K restoration back in the cinema uh, of, which is very excellent. Ahead of uh, an upcoming 4K Blu-ray re-release. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Rush out and get that. And so in this scene... Um, they are essentially on the run, heading for the Mexican border. Here, take this map. I need you to find all the secondary roads to Mexico from Oklahoma City. I think we should stay off the interstate. We're too conspicuous. Uh, looks like we could get on this road 81 here and head down towards Dallas. No, I don't want to go through Texas. Find some way we don't have to go through there. Wait. You want to go to Mexico from Oklahoma, but you don't want to go through Texas? Thelma, you know how I feel about Texas. We're not going that way. Yeah, I know, Louise, but we're running for our lives. I mean, can't you make an exception? I mean, look at this map. The only thing between Oklahoma and Mexico is Texas. Look. So Louise really doesn't want to go to Texas. Yeah, she you has, know how you, we know yeah. how she feels about Texas. Yeah. yeah, she has her reasons. They come up later in the movie, and yeah. uh, but this is her rule, and she is sticking by it. And 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 Thelma, reasonably enough, yeah, the <laughs> only thing out, between isn't this a specific case? Is Texas? Yeah. yeah, we are on one side of Texas where we want yeah. to be, as on the other side. Yeah, and and also we we're are on in the a hurry. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, quite, so, yeah, so could you make yeah, an exception yeah. in this case? But no, no, she's not prepared to. So. No, 
Where would you it's go? It's a long way around. Texas oh, is big. It's big. That's the thing. Huge. It's famously. Yeah. Famously yeah. big. Famous for its bigness. Yeah. It's big, bigly famous. Yeah. Excellent. So our second example comes from The Little Mermaid, and this is from the original, <laughs> not from right. the... Not the heretical... Completely reasonable. Action. Oh, Although oh, okay. not especially exciting remake. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Although this scene essentially occurs in both. I consider myself a reasonable merman. I set certain rules, and I expect those rules to be obeyed. But, Daddy... Is it true you rescued a human from drowning? Daddy, I had to... Contact between the human world and the world is strictly forbidden. Ariel, you know that. Everyone knows that. He would have died. One less human to worry about. So Triton <laughs> is not too bothered about the fact that, that someone would have died if Ariel hadn't broken his hard and fast rule about no contact between mer people and humans yeah. Um, yeah but still it does it for some you could see it seems like a reasonable exception to the rule like the the general yeah. rule is just like stay away from them they're bad news yeah uh, he blames them for bit, killing his wife dry and yeah, um definitely. you know that's that's yeah. how it is but ariel feels who is very much of an anthropologist and wants to study people anyway uh, <laughs> yeah. but she she feels that, that this was an, a good yeah. exception, a reasonable time that exactly. the rule shouldn't apply. Yeah, because they're about to die. She, yeah. you know, she's quite humanitarian in the yeah. truest sense yeah. of the word. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, I think he's also denial, in denial, um, trying from the, the, the obvious truth that at some stage in the past, humans and fish were in quite close contact. They, surprisingly, yeah. don't go into that in the film. It's it's not, over, doesn't come up, doesn't it? No, the no. previous interspecies coupling that must have exactly. occurred. <laughs> yeah, no. and the fact that the other, the alternative uh, progeny must have died out somehow because you know they, it's difficult to run around. Just legs and a fish head. Just legs and yeah. a fish head. Just running tricky, around eating, well, I don't know, fish food. I'm not sure difficult. that's how the biology works. That you have to have some who are <laughs> like. <laughs> Top no, half, but I mean, chances are bottom half fish, and then, <laughs> I've been spending too long with AI image generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You show me it. if you get the commas in the wrong place, but the uh-huh. uh, which got it, it misunderstands your clauses, <laughs> and you will end up with a fish at the top and legs at the bottom. Yeah. So, uh, final example in this section is from nine one one, the drama series oh, yeah. about uh, emergency services, mostly focused yeah. on the fire service. And in this, they are responding to a a competition at a car dealership, where people have to hold on; they have to have one hand on a car. Yeah, touch uh, the for, truck. Yeah, for yeah, the longest, yeah. and whoever yeah. holds on to the longest wins. But these people have been holding on for twenty eight hours at this point. One of them's experiencing kidney failure, and the other one's dehydrated. <laughs> Cap, we got to do something. She's refusing to leave. My guy won't budge either. He's in it to win it. Okay, how about this competition gets paused so they can get treatment? You can pick it up in a day or two, maybe inside, so they're out of the elements? Sorry, but no can do. What do you think people are going to say when they find out a woman died at your dealership? I am trying to give you an out here. Rules are rules. Okay, and the rules are they have to keep one hand on one part of the vehicle at all times, right? That's right. Okay, Buck? Oh, am I on it, Cap? Saws and jaws. Saws? 
You're not going to cut that lady's arm off, are you? I don't need to. She just needs to keep her hand on some part of the vehicle at all times. You didn't say that part has to remain attached to the vehicle. You can't just come in here and carve up my inventory like that. Hey, rules are rules. <laughs> and I, love, I love the fact that he assumes you're going to cut her arm off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the obvious thing you would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, rather than just ask her to let go. Well, she's not even holding she's not gonna let go. She's, she's even... refusing. That's uh, the, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's... So she's Absolutely, yeah. Both of the remaining contestants are absolutely yeah. not prepared to leave, even though it's seriously endangering their health. So, right. yeah, Bobby comes up <laughs> yeah. with a, a solution, uh, yeah. playing by the rules. So that's another counter, is is essentially to use the, the strict rules against the people against if, you, them. if yes. there's a way of doing that. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, his, his application of the rule, because we're, we're devotees of Taskmaster, <laughs> yeah, if you can kind of find a way around uh-huh. it... Loophole. And then, and, and still, <laughs> yes, and you just go, oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, yeah, that's really good. But, uh-huh. then, but then the the maddening thing about Taskmaster is that they're very good at giving you the outs. Uh-huh. And then if you think you're going to cheat and you miss the outs that they've <laughs> given you, uh-huh. then you're, you're tremendously embarrassed when they show you the video <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Okay, so you see that number and the left of the words out of. That's the thing we need to look at, right? So the 54. See, the 54 yeah, out of See how that's, yeah. that's, that's done nothing but increase, that number. And, and there's the conclusion to be drawn. Keep doing what you do. That number increases. Ergo, you're the winner. So, so generally, just keep your eye on that number, and that will go up, and, you will, and you'll end up coming out the winner. And, and by the way, that's a clip from my new motivational well-being <laughs> TikTok series. Yeah, yeah and you... unfortunately, it's, if it weren't for the fact that the number on the other side it goes up quicker... Be, oh yeah, 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 but no, but yeah, yeah, no, but that's you know <laughs> there, there are a few exceptions. The other, <laughs> uh, it, but it doesn't mean that the number on the left. No, that's the number the one on the left. I'll give you that. Just the number on the left has right. never Just gone don't down. Don't look right. Don't look right. Yeah. Don't look right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so our theme this week is very topical. Yep. It's all about uh, classified documents and uh, what Trump has said about them in the past. Right which may or may not conflict with his feelings about them now. Also. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so statement number one. Uh-huh. This was not just extreme carelessness with classified material, which is still totally disqualifying. This is calculated, deliberate, premeditated misconduct, followed by a cover-up that included false statements and lies to Congress, the media, and the American people. Wow. Wow. What was he... He's not, he's not talking about himself. Not talking obviously. about himself, no. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. so he might, he may or may not believe the strength of that. That's quite a strong statement, yeah. isn't it? It's almost presidential. Statement number yeah. two: mm-hmm. There is no excuse, none whatsoever, for treating classified information in such a negligent, and it is negligent. It's totally unacceptable, and if it was anyone else, they would already be in jail. It's not even a question. You leak classified information, you go to jail. Okay. Statement number three. Yep. yep. And there were many other cases where documents were leaked, even accidentally. It's so classified documents are so important that even if they're leaked accidentally. Now, Hillary Clinton leaked more classified documents than any human being, I believe, in the history of the United States of America. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, okay. Mm. Well, you see, I'm, I'm immediately drawn to the third one because there are those Trumpian leaping arounds of stuff when he gets to the end of a, a an ellipsis and then changes tack because his brain is crowding in with stuff. But I'm also repelled by that one because I think that could be a deliberate ploy. Mm. Okay. So I quite like the the ramping up of the rhetoric for the first one. I think that was... See, I was just, I just on the tip of my tongue, that was probably written for him, which means... <laughs> You could well have written that. Okay. All right. So um, mm, having said what I've said about three, I think I'm going to say number number two is the one you made up. Okay. Negligence. So of the other two, which are you I'm, more convinced I'm, by? I'm drawn to number one. Okay. Uh, number one. Convincing escalation. Is... Yeah. Real. This was not just extreme carelessness with classified material, which is still totally disqualifying. This is calculated, deliberate, premeditated misconduct, followed by a cover-up that included false statements and lies to Congress, the media, and the American people. Yeah, I mean, you can hear it wow. in the tone in which it's read. It's clearly been written for him. It's not. This yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. him talking extemporaneously. This is him no. reading his best reading. And who was it about? It's about Hillary, of course. Ah, oh yeah, yeah right, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're yeah. they're all. Oh, spoiler! They're all about Hillary. About Hillary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, they just need to get him into the room and go, okay, Mister Trump, and just play that. Yeah. This was not your stream careless. Well, part of the room. indictment includes about six or seven statements that he made in his campaign in 2016 about how seriously he was going to treat mm. any breaches of classified yep. information. Yep. And he would take it very and seriously. Did, and in fact, he well, he did. He, he, made it, yeah. he made things that were previously misdemeanors felonies. Yep. Yep. Uh, which are probably going to come back and bite him in the ass. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so um, you also well, thought number three was real? Yeah. And number three? Yeah. Is? Yeah. Real. And there were many other cases where documents were leaked, even accidentally. It's so, classified documents are so important that even if they are leaked accidentally, now Hillary Clinton leaked more classified documents than any human being, I believe, in the history <laughs> Of the United States of America. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. What about? I mean, definitely not. <laughs> Def yeah. Definitely not. No. She Well, given that she didn't, we don't, we have no evidence she ever leaked any. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's the main thing. She yeah. did use a private email server, and on that email server there were some emails which either contained classified information or later became, like, were later marked as classified. But there's no evidence that any of those were ever sent to anyone who didn't have the right to see them uh, or yeah. that her email server was, was hacked or that anyone... There, there was no leaking happening. 
<laughs> right. And that's what he, in the first one, when he talked about extreme carelessness, that was what the FBI said was how she had treated those emails. They, yeah. they, she acted with extreme carelessness, but she didn't break any laws. So yeah, she, she did not leak any emails, even if her email server was hacked, which there's no evidence whatsoever it was. I don't know if that would count as her leaking classified documents. Yeah. It might yeah. do, maybe. Yeah. But again, there's no evidence it was ever hacked. Even if it's no, even if it was done by accident. Yeah. She. So so the argument that she yet. leaked yep. more than any human being in the history of the United States of America. We we can point to a number of cases, the most recent of which is Trump, but a number of <laughs> oh, cases yeah. of of oh yeah documented classified documents being being leaked. Yeah. So. Plenty of evidence that mm. she is not, by any means, the person who leaked the most classified yeah. documents in the history. Any human US. being as brilliant as that. I wanted him to say in the history of the world, <laughs> because, you know, there, there was a time in the history of the world where there was no such thing as documents. Yeah. You know, prior to the invention of the printing press, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Somebody leaked a few cunif- cuneiform clay <laughs> tablets. Yeah. That means that you have got one right. Yay! Hey! You see? see Just look at the number on the, on the left. That's going up. Just going keeps up going up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah, I said, oh, I don't know what it was. That, that, but the, well, it wasn't so much the one in the middle as the other two were quite... <laughs> yeah. more, even more convincing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I was almost... I was, I was, uh, accidentally turns up a lot, and I was thinking... Mm, that's a bit of a coincidence for this fallacy. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, as yeah. I have started doing uh, about an hour ago, just before we started recording, I yeah. posted these in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious Trump and on our Patreon at patreon.com slash F Trump to see if anyone else wanted to have a go. And obviously, because it's only been an hour, there's not a lot of people, but Christine in the Facebook group said yeah. it must be number one. Trump couldn't possibly coherently string three adjectives together. So you, you've beaten Christine. <laughs> That's a completely reasonable argument, I think. Uh, no, absolutely, but, but yeah. yeah. She thoroughly agreed with wasn't taking but, into yeah. account that it could have been written for him. And uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So yes, if, I think that's probably the accident <laughs> fallacy right there. Isn't yeah, yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. If, yeah, if you want to be featured in that way in this segment, then you will yeah. need to jump on these immediately when they are put up in the Facebook group and on Patreon. Uh, normally that's on a Sunday or Monday night uh, UK time, but it yeah. it does vary a bit, so that's why yeah. you won't always know. It's just there. Quite, it, was, it was quite. It was quite. <laughs> just, uh, it's a bit rude. <laughs> I, was, I was quite delighted by yeah, amused, tickled by the fact that people have stopped listening in order to go off to Facebook and look at it, <laughs> so that they don't get spoilers. They we you know, we're quite good at warning about spoilers but they've just you know, of their own volition go oh yeah no i've had to stop listening <laughs> in order to go off and look at them uh-huh. and then do it and then they play it and then many in fact the last couple of times that you put it up there m- many of the people have plumped for the the ones i didn't mm, yeah there's been a, a range yeah and yeah and with good reason doesn't mean i'm not as well so. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and i'm not saying that because they plumped for the one that I didn't, they therefore won, or I therefore lost. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but just keep an eye on the number on the left. That's what happened, yeah. Just concentrate on the number on the left. Yeah. (laughs) 
And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Federal Indictment is Not a Logical Fallacy, because as we've mentioned a couple of times, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it came up earlier. Did it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's, there's been a bit of movement on the old uh, Jack Smith mm. case. Mm. And um, yeah, yep. Trump has been federally indicted on 37 counts. Uh, he, nuts, um, we are, I should say, first of all, we are recording this a week early for, yep. for Mark related reasons. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah. Leisure, leisure related uh, reasons. Yeah. yeah. So, so that means that we don't have nearly as much information as you have access to already. Whilst listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. This is the indictments have been unsealed. Um, it only yep. happened like three days ago yeah and then the incitement was unsealed so we know what all the charges are we've got a little bit of the kind of response from trump and other people but tuesday he is going to be arraigned in miami so Mm -hmm. we you know we don't know what will happen there yet probably go much the same as it did in new york yeah but there's a whole week of stuff before this is released that will uh, not be filled in in terms of our information about it. I'm I'm hoping for a general election in the UK <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I don't that we don't know about right now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just the other night when, uh, in fact, it was it was Thursday night. Uh, we were mm. recording one of our Patreon bonus episodes. At the end of it, I said, oh, "I'm really, you know, because I knew that we were recording tonight, really? Sunday." Yeah. For this episode, I was, I said, oh, well, I'm really hoping that Trump gets indicted in the next few days so, we can so that we've got something yeah. to talk about because yeah. it's really yeah. it's a shorter news cycle between then and now to, to have yeah. stuff. And then and, and when I logged off, I saw that actually it happened while we were recording. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So can you just. Yeah. Well, I'm beginning to think that the uh, you're, you've, you have the power. You have well, I knew you know, I, all yeah. of the signs had been pointing to it happening. Yeah. Over the yeah. next few days, um, including people who are way more intelligent and plugged in than I am, saying probably <laughs> going to happen in the next few days. That's the main yeah. thing. So it looked like it would be imminent, and what I was hoping there was a, that it wouldn't be that we would record and then it happened, and yeah. then there's like three weeks yeah. before we record our next <laughs> we episode. We get to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we know is mm-hmm. that. He and an an aide, his body man, Walt Nauter, yeah. have been indicted. Walt Nauter on, I think, five counts and Trump on 37 counts, wow. including 31 counts of willful retention of national defence information, which is Fair enough. Espionage yep. Act stuff, 18 yep. USC 793E. Three counts of withholding or concealing documents in a federal investigation. Two counts of making false statements and one on conspiracy to obstruct justice. Mm-hmm. All of which, pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And which the full indictment gives quite a lot of detail about how they know all this stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't obviously, as no indictment does go into all of the detail, because obviously there's a lot that will happen at trial and, yeah. and information that will come out, but, but they have backed up their charges with quite a lot of information, which yeah. is super cool because <laughs> <laughs> apart from anything yeah. else it's just well lots of pictures we saw pictures of where mm. the documents were stored yeah. loads of pictures of just in bo- the bathroom all yeah. over the place stacked around it i mean yeah huge amount yeah i put one on facebook because <laughs> you think yeah i mean when was he doing that was that during the covid crisis when there was a shortage toilet well, that, paper? i can tell that, you when that was because um yeah from from january 20 uh 21 
when he mm-hmm. left office, yeah, the boxes were just everywhere. Because it really makes me think Mar-a-Lago can't be that big. There isn't like a spare right. fucking bedroom. They could have just put them all. Yeah, in. yeah. Like yeah. when when I moved house a couple of times ago, yeah, we had a a, a room that we just put that all put the boxes in, all in the that we did boxes. not use that room until we'd unpacked yeah. all of those boxes, and that's yeah, just yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this is apparently Mar-a-Lago is just not big enough. So well, you've got to stack them around the John. That's not. <laughs> It's not good, is it? It's not particularly safe, I Because <laughs> people want to read stuff when you're sitting on the toilet. Yeah, I feel like that was probably go... an unused bathroom. Oh, okay. Because apparently some boxes were stacked in the shower and things like that in there. So, that, so yeah, that oh, was okay. probably a, a, the, that was the lake room bathroom. And, right. Uh, so, yeah, boxes were in there from January uh, 21. Uh, at the same time, there were also boxes stacked on the stage in the ballroom where public had access to. Yeah. And yeah. there's a, a picture in the indictment of those boxes stacked on the, on the ballroom stage. Jeepers. They were there for two months at least, at which point some of them got moved to the business centre at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And then in April, some staff wanted to use the business centre as an office, and so they moved some of those boxes from the business centre into that bathroom right. where the other stuff was already. So they kind of found, they just made more room or kind of yeah. shoved more boxes in there. In May, some of the boxes were taken to Bedminster. June 24th, 2021, mm-hmm. 80 boxes were moved from the ballroom and the bathroom God. and the business centre to the, to the storeroom. So that, was, that then became the place where the, they were mostly kept. And that's right. where all of the, the negotiations were on. Yeah, that's, that's right. where yeah, Trump yeah. said it was locked and no one had access and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Prior to that, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that's six months after the boxes went to Mar-a-Lago before they were moved into that storeroom. The wow. indictment mentioned it describes that storeroom as being on a hallway that is accessed through multiple outside entrances, including a patio door off the pool, which is often kept open. So it was around May that the National Archives started requesting the documents back that they realised they hadn't had. Yeah. And he did not give them back. Well, he kind of said, I haven't got them. I mean, there were lots of points at which he either said he hadn't got them or said he, you'd, get, you'd given everything back or the things he had were just his own personal things. Um, but eventually gave back 15 documents, uh, 15 boxes <laughs> of documents. Right. Yeah. But even then, there was there's still a, a wall full of boxes. And again, there's pictures of this in the indictment. And in from November 21 to January 22... Uh, Walt Nauter and another Trump employee brought boxes from the storage room to Trump's residence uh, on multiple occasions for him to look through at his request. So, I mean, this just gives you a, a sense, and this is quite a lot of detail of information about what they know about when these documents were in different places and how they were moved around. Some of the indictments specifically on Walt Nauter talk about the fact that he moved documents on multiple occasions, times when... Uh, for example, he moved them a couple of days before the lawyers, Trump's lawyers even, mm-hmm. accessed that room and it was Walt that they had to go to to get the keys to get into the room. Right. Um, Walt Nauter and another maintenance employee were kind of seen on security footage moving boxes in and out on multiple occasions. The maintenance employee asked an, an IT employee questions about how long security footage is kept and like how the surveillance Whoa. system worked yeah. in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, that kind of implies <laughs> that he's 
sort of thinking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh dear, yeah, yeah. That was a few months before the same maintenance employee drained the pool at Mar-a-Lago yeah. and in doing so flooded the server room which holds the surveillance Whoa! logs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, apart from that's a really bad plumbing thing. It's fair, yeah. Or that's a really bad keeps place their to put server, yeah. Where the where pool the, drains into. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. No, that's... um. It's like hiding at the bottom of the, <laughs> the pit where the space shuttle goes from. Yeah. So I don't think the pool is actually mentioned in the indictment. That was kind of this information that has reported in the last week or so. Right. But Nauta's uh, movements in and out of the... Uh, storage room with boxes and the other maintenance employee as well um, are mentioned in the indictment and part of Nauta's in, the, in, the indictments against Walt Nauta himself. Uh, but also some of the, just the stuff, Trump's own words yeah. that are going to be used against him. Last time we talked about that CNN report of the audio tape of Trump's mm. meeting with yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Meadows' yeah. ghostwriters. So yep. we now have a transcript. Oh, that means they've got a recording. I just can't wait to hear it. Well, yeah. one of the things he says in it, because he's talking about this plan of attack and saying that it, it mm. totally wins the argument for him against Millie, basically. Yeah. I mean, really, this, this line is all you need. You don't need the other 49 and a half pages of the indictment, really. Yeah, yeah. Because he said on the tape while showing them this document, this is secret information. Look, Look at this. Kind of all you need, really, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, you can buy now in our uh, merch store at um, fallaciousTrump.com slash T-E-E, I think it is, yeah. a T-shirt that says, this is secret information. Look, look at this. It's <laughs> yeah. now available. Perfect. Yeah. So that was one of the things that he said on that, on that tape. Uh, later that year, August or September of 21, he had another meeting with a political advisor where he showed them, he talked about a... Uh, military operation in another country doesn't say what country probably mm. afghanistan uh right. where he said the things were not going well and he said that he shouldn't be sharing the map that he was showing the guy and that they shouldn't get too close like that's some kind of defense like yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah yes i did okay. show him the classified map but i made but him stand six feet away so yeah you know so, yeah I've that's told him, fine i warned him that I shouldn't be showing him. Yeah. So it's his responsibility for <laughs> he he not kept his looking. eyes open. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? He's quoted in his lawyer's notes. I think this is Evan Corcoran. Right. Although it's just mentioned that one of Trump's attorneys, but we know that Evan Corcoran's notes were subpoenaed, and that the judge right. ruled that they could be looked at because of the crime fraud exception, because normally yep. that would be attorney-client privilege. Uh, yep. or work product or something like that but with the crime fraud exception they're saying that if he wanted his lawyer to help him commit crimes <laughs> then right. that is a thing that yeah. means you can let you can see those notes yeah fair enough yeah because that that's a criminal yeah. act yeah. <laughs> yeah so the notes yeah. are in the indictment or at least excerpts from them wow yeah yeah including the fact that he was quite keen on keeping the contents of those boxes to himself one of the things he said was, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes, Trump said, according to one of his yep. attorneys. <laughs> wow. Other conversations he had with his attorneys during the negotiations, as he called it, with, with mm -hmm. National Archives, 
yeah. the archives would more call it him refusing to give stuff back. That he, <laughs> exactly, stuff that didn't belong to him. Yeah. yeah, but two things that are quoted are him saying, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything here, according to the same attorney. Whoa. And also, yeah. isn't it better if there are no documents? Ah, that's a bit like, mm. yeah, can you not just find me a thousand votes? Yeah, yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. The attorney also recalled, according to the indictment, he made a funny motion as though, well, okay, why didn't you take them with you to your hotel room and if there's anything really bad in there, like, you know, pluck it out. And that was the motion he made. He didn't say that. That's a hell of a motion, isn't it? Yeah, so I think, I think, uh, and I could be completely wrong, but I think the the motion was the plucking and oh, okay. there was yeah. some indication that he should take <laughs> the documents with him and and then did the kind of plucking motion and like right. if if there's bad stuff so essentially saying you know when we're looking at what we're going to give back to yeah. the archives yeah take these take, take these with you out. and like you don't yeah. you know make me look better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we don't know if that was done we do know that what the archives got back contained a lot of top secret and classified documents. And at the yeah, time, yeah. we said, yeah. this is what they've given back, like voluntarily. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is exactly, what they yeah. chose These to give back. These are best proofs. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, said, yeah. Yeah, what have they kept hold of? <laughs> yes. So wow. some of the specific documents that are covered in the indictment, each of those 31 counts of willful retention of national defence information yeah. are based on individual documents. Oh, okay. Among those documents that are included are, are this is just amazing, <laughs> documents relating to America's nuclear capability, uh, data about US and allied vulnerabilities, and possible responses to attacks. Whoa! There, there are documents from agencies including the CIA, the NSA the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the National Reconnaissance Office, and the State Department's Bureau of Intelligence and Research, the Defence Department, and the Energy Department. Fuck! Yeah. It's like everything... It's, kind of, it's, it's the plot for a James Bond movie, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's all the worst so, possible stuff. pieces of information is stuff so, that he took <sighs> and, and kept in a, a public ballroom for months. Wow! You just want to ask the question, why? I mean, that's, you know, maybe that is that because we're documentary filmmakers. I'm just thinking, okay, so why did you do that? I mean, the yeah. thing is, the information what that's come that? out so far about why would seem to indicate that it's so he can tell people he's got them, so he can show them off. I mean, yeah. arguably, yeah, 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 we, don't, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. There's a, there is a possibility that he has given slash sold information mm. to people. We don't know yeah. that at all. Yeah. We do yeah. know that he's shown information to people that he shouldn't yeah. have shown them. And when he's done mm. that, he seems to have done it because it makes him look yeah. good it's in some just, way. Look, I was the president yeah. of the US. Look, at this is the access that I had. Yeah, it's that. This is what happens when you elect a narcissist. Yeah. You know, they you can't anticipate the narcissism that they will. Well, you can. That's enact. the problem, and that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah that's, that's why you true, should have yeah. voted for Hillary. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there is, on the left, certainly, an amount of healthy scepticism that this will <laughs> yeah. result in actual consequences. Yeah. yeah. Certainly people in our Facebook group have expressed it and said, you know, this yeah. is, it, it's nothing sticks to this guy. Yeah. I understand that completely. And maybe I'm being optimistic. I am by nature an optimist. Yeah. But this is a, I mean, the indictment is 
incredibly strong. The fact that it does quote him and uh, understanding at various points how important it is to keep classified documents classified and not show them to people. Yeah, it shows him understanding that, which is going to be one of his main defences is that he didn't understand. I didn't know what what I was doing was wrong. Which is easy to believe that he didn't understand what was going on at various points during his presidency. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. Making that like, that yeah. case is <laughs> From important. Day one, From day one to, through to the last day of the presidency. Yeah. 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 So it's a very strong case that's made. I encourage you to read the indictment. I'll put we'll put a oh. link in it uh, to oh. it in in the show notes. But it is detailed, interesting. It has pictures <laughs> and <laughs> everything you want. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, uh, and we and and in a, we hope in a in a in a not too short a time some sound so we can hear <laughs> those of that so I'm looking oh, forward we'll, to we'll, those we'll hear them we'll we'll I'm sure they'll play them yeah. I, there's there's yeah. questions at the moment about whether it will be um kind of televised obviously everyone on everyone on the left is saying well it obviously it needs to be televised this is a, this is the most important court yeah. case in the history of America uh, it needs it's to just be human beings. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but there's there's and some it, questions. And it's the series we're all waiting for <laughs> after the previous one. Yeah. 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 And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. After Trump's indictment was announced last Thursday, one of his lawyers, Jim Trusty, was on CNN defending Trump. But then on Friday, the indictment was unsealed and presumably Jim and fellow attorney John Rowley eventually got round to reading it because they immediately resigned. They released a statement saying that now the case has been filed, this is a logical time to step aside, which might make sense if they weren't both experienced trial lawyers and someone more suitable was stepping out of the wings. But instead, Trump was left with just a few days to hire a new lawyer before his Tuesday arraignment. Sure, he could have gone with Lindsay Halligan, who is a member of the Florida Bar, but her only trial experience so far is as an insurance lawyer in landlord-tenant disputes. And two other members of Trump's legal team told the Daily Beast that Trump only keeps her around because she's pretty. So Trump spent Monday meeting with lawyers to gauge their interest in working for him. But for some reason, none of them wanted a client who refuses to take legal advice, repeatedly asks his attorneys to break the law for him, pathologically admits to crimes every time he speaks, and whose previous legal counsel have ended up unpaid, disbarred or in prison. So his local counsel for Tuesday's arraignment was former Florida Solicitor General Chris Kyes. Avid listeners might remember Kaiser's name from episode 110, Appeal to Freedom, when we reported that having just joined Trump's legal team, he had been sidelined in the Mar-a-Lago documents case for making the mistake of suggesting Trump cooperate with the Department of Justice. I wonder if he got the balls to tell Trump, I told you so. Carrie Lake, it seems, is lining up for the Grand Ole Opry with a new country-sounding song from the makers of Trump's Justice for All song featuring the January 6th Prisoners' Choir. Whilst it doesn't have the political punch of, say, Cassette Boy, with his astonishingly witty and bitingly sharp satirical cut-ups of British government ministers set to familiar backing tracks. Yeah, what am I saying? Witty, satirical, bitingly sharp. This is the right wing, discovering Max Hedrum about 40 years late, wielding a thick bludgeon. Yeah, no offence, Carrie. No, actually, I do mean it. To try to blame everything that's wrong with the country in their eyes, i.e. Trump's not in power, on Biden, with the somewhat fallacious argument that I can't afford groceries, I can't afford gas, 81 million votes my ass, the song samples a line from Carrie Lake's 2020 speech. 
an Oscar Wildean ribald rapier riposte. It's not. It's all gone to shit. How could Biden possibly have got 81 million votes? Whilst trying to take the piss out of Biden, Carrie and her song producers certainly seem to be taking the O out of country. <laughs> and the record producers are again taking the Trump base for a ride. Although a ringing endorsement from just the kind of confused, self-confessed conspiracy theorist soccer mom, pure nonsense we've come to know, Robin Sue posted a comment on Forbes about the song. I didn't see that kind of public support for Biden in 2020, and I definitely don't see it today. I agree. 81 million votes, my ass. And still, no one is willing to show the proof of that claim, but plenty of proof is available to show those numbers really were pulled out of thin air. Ghost votes. Yeah, there's no evidence either that the song will do well, but with the potential however many million more voters you want to come up with that voted for Trump, like that in sales, they're laughing all the way to the bank, if not the billboard charts. The true essence of Trump's presidency was neatly captured in objectively the funniest thing that's ever happened, the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Press Conference. But if you're looking for a day which sums up Trump's approach to politics in general, you'd be hard-pushed to come up with a better one than Tuesday. He woke up at his own golf club in Miami and went to the federal courthouse where he sat petulantly with his arms crossed for 45 minutes while other people talked about crimes he's committed. After he left the courthouse, he visited a restaurant where he surrounded himself with supporters who sang him happy birthday and prayed for him. Then he loudly announced food for everyone and left without paying for food for anyone. Finally, he flew back to his golf club in New Jersey where he surrounded himself with more supporters who listened to him whine and lie for half an hour about the crimes he committed and how unfair it is that other people aren't being charged instead of him. Then he asked them for money. In good old land of the freest Florida, where rich, powerful and white Ron DeSantis last year announced to the nation that he had arrested several people who illegally voted in defiance of reenfranchisement laws. Yeah, though the cases mainly fell apart before being dismissed, has done some similarly otherwise factual, indistinguishable discrimination. State Attorney Bill Glasnov has confirmed in May 2022 that six offenders voted in Lake County, but they couldn't be prosecuted because their fraud wasn't willful after they were mistakenly given voter registration cards. However, Mere months later, 20 ex-felons living in majority Democrat counties were quickly jailed after being arrested by DeSantis's new election police force, the Office of Election Crimes and Security. Yeah, sounds like they could be knocking on Donald's door down the coast any minute. Each of the 20 had also voted, but they too had received voter registration cards. Lake County, yeah, heavily Republican. Until only a few years ago, Florida permanently disqualified all convicted felons from voting with only a select few having their rights restored case by case at the discretion of the governor, Ron DeSantis. Till Amendment 4, a constitutional change approved by voters in 2018, restored voting rights to those who complete their sentences, but excluded those convicted of murder and sexual offences. The GOP-controlled legislature subsequently rolled back Amendment 4 even further by declaring rehabilitated ex-offenders must also settle all outstanding fines and fees to regain their voting rights, even those that weren't part of the original sentence. Yeah, who says Jim Crow legislation is a thing of the past down in modern 18th century Florida? 
oh yeah, white, rich, powerful men, that's who. Yeah, they also made it very difficult for people to find out what mm. outstanding fines and fees they need to pay to regain their voting rights. Yeah, didn't you work on that? I did. They, uh, it's yeah. done on a, yeah. a kind of county-by-county county basis, and the records mm. are badly kept, and they're not necessarily all kept on the same databases and things like yeah. that. And, yeah, I recently took part in a, in a program to, to help go through those databases and find that information just for a single county and just for a few voters to potentially get those returning citizens, as they call them, ex-felons, yeah. closer to the point where they can vote with confidence, knowing that yeah. they aren't yeah. then going to get arrested for yeah, yeah. voter uh, fraud. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping some point soon to interview on the show one of the people involved in that project and, oh, great. and yeah, possibly yeah, yeah. maybe a ranger which is spearhead an opportunity for listeners to get involved in that kind of thing as well because it's a, a useful program yeah yeah wearing the enemy's uniform into combat is literally a war crime under the geneva convention but for some reason it's fine for people like tulsi gabbard and anti-vax conspiracy theorist robert f kennedy jr to run for president as a democrat on the plus side, anyone actually paying attention can tell the difference, and there's very little chance of someone like RFK becoming the party's nominee, because he's unlikely ever to grow much beyond his current 20% level of support by Democratic primary voters, due to the fact there aren't enough anti-vaxxers who support Democrats. And at least some Democrats will have noticed that he only ever gets interviewed by people like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson and Steve Bannon. Somewhat more insidious are the right-wingers who pretend to be non-partisan centrists, like 2000 Mules contributors True the Vote, or supposedly moderate organisation No Labels, who claim to be a common-sense compromise between the extremes on both the left and the right, and are reportedly planning to run a third-party ticket in the 2024 election. Back in April, the New Republic reported that GOP megadonor, Nazi memorabilia collector and Clarence Thomas's best bud, Harlan Crow, has funded No Labels to the tune of over $130,000 and convinced nearly two dozen of his rich pals to do the same. Last week, reporting by Mother Jones added to the picture by looking at No Labels' fundraising platform, which is handled by a company called Anadote. Anadote also claimed to be non-partisan, but this is undermined a bit by the very front page of their website, where there's a button marked conservative list which brings up 205 Republican politicians, groups and campaigns you can donate to with handy links for each one. But there's no liberal list button. The motivation for organisations like No Labels to hide their GOP bona fides is to split the anti-fascism vote and bleed support away from Biden, just like Jill Stein did in 2016. The fact that these groups seem to be missing is that if you think Biden and Trump are as extreme as each other, you're not a centrist. You're a fucking idiot. Yes, it's finally happened. The book-burning snake has eaten so far up its own tail, it's biting the back of its own head. Well, there's an AI image generation prompt right there. A parent at a Utah district school complained a sex-ridden book is inappropriate for children. And so several elementary and middle schools in the Davis School District removed the offending publication from their bookshelves. So far, nothing surprising there. Fucking depressing, but not surprising. Or funny. Until you hear that the book in question is the King James Bible. <laughs> right, so now I am officially mind-bent. The book containing the very words that the admittedly deranged, self-righteous, right-voting, right-bastards on the right say grants them the rights to campaign 
against the rights of their offspring to basically access free and equitable book learning, has incurred the admittedly deranged wrath of the same right bastards. The Salt Lake Tribune, yeah, you can see what's coming, reported that the parents' complaint says that the good book contained tales of incest, onanism, bestiality, prostitution, genital mutilation, fellatio, dildos, rape, and even infanticide. Yeah, I don't remember all of that. Surely it would have been even more popular. Yeah, film rights, anyone? Also, according to the Tribune, the school district received a request last Friday to also review, yes, here it comes, the actual book (laughs) of actual Mormon for content that may not meet newly enacted standards set by lawmakers. We're in Salt Lake, Utah, for fuck's sake. More than 60% of Utahns are Mormons. It's practically got invented there. Yeah, well, I guess that that scene in the musical where the elder got to bless that woman under his charge and in his tent had to come from somewhere. Okay, so now the right-wing Fahrenheit 451ers have effectively committed the grandfather paradox. The way lies clear for progressive, inclusive and properly funded book-based education for the young. Thank you for your service, Dolly Parton. (laughs) Turning Point USA held their annual Young Women's Leadership Summit last week and it mostly consisted of telling the young women in the audience that they probably shouldn't try to be leaders because it'll just get in the way of being a wife. I wish I was exaggerating. The opening speaker, podcaster and anti-feminist Alex Clark, told the audience of college and high school girls about the dangers of hormonal birth control, daycare and believing you can both have a career and be a mother. And to be fair, she does kind of have a career and isn't a mother. So she's living proof that it's true. This was followed by noted expert on women, Charlie Kirk, who decided the best way to help young women become leaders was to complain about the pride flag outside the hotel and make several minutes worth of transphobic remarks. Lara Trump and Laura Ingram rounded out day one by conspicuously not mentioning Donald's indictment and instead talking about working out and looking good on the beach. Day two started with Christian fundamentalist podcaster Ali Beth Stuckey, who told the audience their highest calling is not to have a career, nor even to be a wife and mum, but to glorify God. Turning Point USA personality Benny Johnson then suggested if they were having trouble finding a great man, they should ask themselves if they behaved like a great woman who would attract a great man, and said, there ain't nothing wrong with being a trad wife, being a trad wife's based. Men love this. But the best example of the conservative movement's approach to women in leadership comes from Charlie Kirk's response to an audience member who said she wants to be an orthopaedic surgeon and for some reason asked Charlie Kirk for advice on balancing her career and maybe even having time for dating before she's 30. Kirk told her, Maybe it will work for you, but the evidence is overwhelming. That will lead to an empty life. There are a lot of successful 35-year-old orthopaedic surgeons that have cats and not kids, and they're very miserable. Quick reminder, this is a summit for young women leaders. Fuck me. Well... The big news you've heard already, Boris resigned, but it bears repeating, Boris resigned. But in a bad-tempered, flouncy adolescent banging all the doors in the house as he says, it's also a fair I hate you kind of way. Thus, he thinks he's gone off scot-free and won't be able to be tarred by the Privileges Committee's findings and sanctions. And whilst Johnson cannot be sanctioned with a suspension now that he's resigned, the committee could recommend that he be refused to pass offer to ex-MPs allowing privileged access to Parliament 
and pressure is building on little Rishi to prevent him ever standing again. Boris professes to be appalled and bewildered, and so are his equally appalling and bewildering co-conspiracy theorists slash GB News presenters slash slavish lovelorn lackeys Nadine Dorries and Nigel Adams, who both resigned their seats as MPs with immediate effects. Yeah, the tsunami of dissenting MPs, you know, like the 50 or so who resigned in one day to force Boris out, did not materialise to pave the way with palm fronds for his return. Dorries did not get a gong in Boris's resignation on his list from lack of honour, perhaps, and seems to have resigned with immediate effect out of pique. But it could be that her seat has a 24,000 majority whilst Boris piddled his lead down to zilch in the constituency he never bothered to visit ever, so she laid down and opened up a seat for him to stand in whenever he wants. Starmer cut to the chase and said, For Christ's sake, Sunak, Call a general election before the rest of the country dies of lack of government. Though he did begin to roll back on the magnanimous promises of healthy, educational and green deals, because they can't budget for it since Bozer and his pals, including newly knighted, Mm -hmm. unctuous, world's tallest man cosplayer, Sir Snakey Jakey Grease Gob, spaffed all the money unaccountably up the wall to their friends in return for dodgy useless PPA slash saying nice things in the papers about them. All the economists are advising Labour. Hmm, just rejoin the single European market, you dolt, and that'll grow the economy exponentially to be able to pay for everything. Keir slash Keith slash Kevin's a bit loath to do that for fear of riling the right-wing press slash leave voters who might, just might, vote for him. Oh, for Christ's sake, Starmer, be bold. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Well, except maybe Harold Wilson with his should we remain in the EEC referendum in 1975. But even old school establishment pipe smoking Wilson might just be too much of a lefty to be tolerated. Speaking of which, Jeremy Corbyn celebrated 40 years of being the MP for Islington North this week. Good on you, Jezza. Here's to 40 more. So, that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump just like our straw man level patrons Laura Tomsick, Renee Zed, Schmoots, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we could just call her Amber, and our true Scotsman-level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uessa, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for your new and continued patronage. It's very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the Outbursts and was used with permission, so until next time on Fallacious Trump, We'll leave the last word to the convicted criminal, Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!